time of both uh, praise and worship, but also of um, remembering with thanksgiving our beloved Queen's life. And let's look at the Word of God. We can, we can, we can all be clear when we read the Word. <laughs> um, let's look at Joshua, the book of Joshua. And last weekend, the Lord began something fresh, and Wednesday night was a powerful night of consecration for all of those who came. There was, it, was, it was a wonderful time. There were many people here on uh, Wednesday night and, and online as well. So uh, it's very exciting what God is speaking about and wanting to do in this season. And so we're just going to continue with what the Lord is saying. Um, Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. Let's read together verse 1 to 5. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and, were, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That's wonderful, isn't it? Prepare yourselves, consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart as holy and ready to do what God has for you. Because in doing that, you are going to come into the wonders or the miracles of God. I think that's just such an amazing um, instruction that God gives people in every generation because the word is the same yesterday as it is today. And this instruction is actually about preparation before we go into our full inheritance to see everything that Jesus died for you and me to have, which is all that is his has become ours in Christ Jesus. Everyone who is believing in him is not in themselves anymore. They're in Christ and now they qualify for a vast and expansive inheritance, which is unearned but given. You don't work for your inheritance. It's something that somebody gave you. And that somebody is Jesus. He gave you everything in his death and resurrection when he saved you. Now, as I was preparing for this message, the Lord said to me this simple phrase, tell my people to prepare well. Tell my people to prepare well. I know that if you are going to run a race, that you have to have some kind of preparation before you run. Or if you're going to paint a door, you are wise if you prepare 
and take off the old paint so that that lovely, bright, new colour that you want to put on that door will go on well and will last. And so when God tells us to get ourselves ready and consecrate ourselves, it's so that we can be ready for the great things he's leading us into as a people. And so this wise advice that comes through these scriptures is make sure you get yourselves ready because it's going to be amazing. But only a prepared people will enter. Only a prepared people are going to come into this possession and fulfillment of everything that God has spoken over your life personally, the promises of God over your family, and over the church in this nation and all nations. So prepare yourself well. And I was thinking, okay, Lord, what do you want to say this morning? How do you want us to prepare? And the first thing that he said to me was, make sure your eyesight is good. Now, some of you might have noticed I've had a blood vessel burst in my eye, but my sight's still good. I look horrid, but I, I, I can see good. But we're not talking about the natural eyes, are we? We're looking about the unseen or the ability to see with the eyes of your heart, which is to see things through the lens of God or through the lens of the scripture and the promise. So to prepare well, we need to have a look at how we are looking at ourselves, at our situations, our work, our family life, our relationships, but also to the great things that God has prepared for us that lie ahead. We need the lens of God. And one of the photographs that really caught my attention which speaks both into the history of God's people, but also to today's current scene, is that both in the time when the people entered the land in Joshua, but also today's church, it's in a time of loss. Moses had died. The person they had been so used to leading them spiritually and they had relied on him. He'd gone. And it was a new season with a new set of leadership. And I, I know that God speaks into every situation, national as well as a personal, in so many ways. But there was one photograph that I thought captivated what God wants to communicate about the loss of our beloved queen, and it's this one. And if you can't see it online, it's a picture of Windsor Castle with a flag at half-mast because it's a time of mourning. But behind that is a rainbow. And it spoke to me, it gave me such assurance 
and such comfort because God himself said something about a rainbow. Now, man has made it something it isn't. And I'm not going into that. But what God says in Genesis 9 is that the rainbow is his bow. And I love the way he puts it. It's my sign. And this was after the flood. It was after destruction. It was after loss. And God said, when you see a rainbow, it's my sign of my covenant that even though life may be full of clouds and rain, I see, as when I see the rainbow, I see and remember the sacrifice of my son to bring you into this relationship with me as children of God. And also, I will fulfill my promise. And so Noah, whenever he saw that rainbow, he was reminded that never again will God flood the whole earth. And it will never happen. The whole earth will never be destroyed in that way again. And God is a God who is faithful. And I believe in this moment, as it was with the Joshua generation, as they were facing a time of loss, there is another way of seeing. How is your eyesight over this time? Is it just grief or is there a rainbow? of the faithfulness of God over our nation and over this generation. God has made promises over this nation and they will come to pass. And so this sign on the very day that our queen went to be with the Lord, God shone it and says, I'm speaking church. I am speaking about my faithfulness. I never change. Everything I have said, I will do. Though people pass, he remains. And he is the one constant you can trust in him. The rock of ages. And it depends on how you see. And what does God ask of us? Because faith pleases God. So it pleases him when we look at the day we are in, 2022, with a Jordan in full flood of moral decline and political chaos and upheaval among the nations. He says to you and to me, how do you see? What are you seeing about all that is going on? Are you seeing through the lens of my word and who I am? Or are you looking at everything the way the world looks at it? Because it matters. Why does it matter so much? Because in the history of the people of God, we know that Moses had sent out 12 spies to view the land. Do you remember he said, choose 12 leaders. And these 12 leaders 
were the best of their bunch. Choose the best people you've got, the most talented, the most stable, wise, and gifted people. And he says, I want all of you to go in and spy out the land because you see, before we enter into the land, we need to have faith sight. We need to view our future, our life, our destiny in faith. We need to view our relationships in faith, the church in faith, because it matters how you see. And 10 of those spies, you know the story, they all, 12 of them, saw the same thing. They saw the giants, they saw the cities, they saw the problems, they saw the, the impossible walls that were surrounding the cities. And they even came back and said, the land eats you up. They came back with immense fruit from the land because actually it was true. Everything that God said about your inheritance is true. It's a good inheritance and it's actually the best of the best that Jesus has provided for you and for me. And these 10 destiny killers, never thought of that before, came back and said, oh yeah, the land is good. Oh yes, the fruit in it is amazing. But the problems, the giants, the issues of our day are too big for us. And they're too big for God, in other words, they were saying. And they did not believe. And you know what happened? They spread that bad news everywhere. And that whole generation did laps in the wilderness for 40 years. And they only knew the wilderness provision, but not the promised land provision. But there are only two names you and I can remember from the 12 that went out. Does anybody here know whose names you... What were their names? Shout it out. Joshua and Caleb. Because we never remember those who've got bad news, but we remember who's got good news. Jesus came with the good news of the kingdom of God. He is bringing a gospel of good news to our nation. And it isn't bad news. It's good all the way. It's good because our God is good and he has only good news. And so the people remembered on the threshold of entering in and they thought, we better prepare by the way we are looking at everything. I want to see everything, and I'm sure you do if you want to please God, through the lens of God and his promises and to believe his report. How you see affects your destiny. Can I say that again? How you see affects the outcome or what happens in your life. Because Jesus himself said, according to your faith, it will be done for you. In other words, how you see what God can do in your life, it will be done to you. 
Expect nothing. Get nothing. Expect nothing, get nothing. Or have an expectation that what God has promised in his word is mine. And I'm going to see the faithfulness of God and the promises of God come to pass in this next season. Tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders amongst us. And so he says, lift up your eyes beyond the flags at half-mast to the rainbow. Have a rainbow view of your life. A rainbow view in your heart, in your inner imagination of who God is and what God has promised It's very interesting in Genesis 13, when God promised the land to Abraham, Lot had departed for what he saw with his natural eyes was the best possible life. And your natural eyes will lead you into what you see is best, but not into God's best. And so he chose to be near the world. (laughs) He chose to be too close to the world and all kinds of bad things happened. But in Genesis 13, God said to Abraham, lift up your eyes from the place where you are and I'll show you this vast land. And I love this. He says to Abraham, lift up your eyes. In a time where he's actually wondering where he's going, what he is doing, he says, I want you to have an eyesight that says, this vast land is yours And I'm going to give it to your descendants too. There's going to be generations that are affected because of your eyesight. Because of the way you see, many are going to come into the kingdom of heaven. Children of faith. I love that. And so he says to us today, lift up your eyes. Look beyond the natural. Look beyond the issues of the day or the personal things that you're facing because I have a vast and great vision for you to lay hold of. And when you see it, you can have it. Seeing is be to see by the eyes of faith is to believe. When you believe it, It'll be yours. Your faith sight matters. How you see. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So you could look at a promise this afternoon or tomorrow. And what does God say over it? Yes. So be it. Has anybody got that? Some people say, I don't know which one's mine. Well, I said, you don't? Well, let me tell you, all of them. If you're in Christ, they're all yours. Not will be, they are all yours. But first you've got to see what's yours before you walk in it. See the land and then you can walk in it. You know the story of um, Isaac. 
he was in a time of famine in, in the natural. There was this, um, the, the land was looking like it would never produce. And I often think about that for our personal lives. We can look at our lives and say, well, this isn't working. Anybody ever done that? You can do that. You can say, this isn't working. There isn't anything here for me. I can't survive here. This, this is not, all I can see is lack or need, and it's just not working. But God speaks into that time, because uh, Isaac was about to wander off somewhere else, because he was about to leave the place where God want him to, wanted him to be. And you know, people can leave the place God wants them to be because of trouble. Never move because things are going wrong. Move because he says it. Don't move because it's bad. It's very important wisdom that comes from God's word for us. And so in this time of famine, God speaks and he says, stay in the land, I'll bless you. So Isaac looks at the land, which hasn't changed at all. The only thing that's changed is the way Isaac sees the land. Do you not think that's mega? You can be in a situation which hasn't changed at all. In your marriage, in your family, in your body. You might be feeling ill. But you've changed the way you see it. Because you can see what God says... And start to act on that. And Isaac saw blessing when he looked at the land he was in. Everyone else was in famine, but Isaac said, God said he blessed me, that's it. And I want to tell you something today. The scripture says in Ephesians 1, he has blessed us. He has blessed us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You are already blessed. But how you see affects your outcome. Isaac saw with the eyes of faith and he began to sow in the land. He began to sow in faith. This land's going to work for me. Everybody is saying we're going to die here. Before that, Isaac says, we're going to die too. We're off. But because he believed the word, the promise of God, I will bless you. Come on, church. Come on, church. God says, stay where he said to stay. He will bless you in that place. Because if you see it, you're going to start to work very differently. Isaac would have said, Oh, mate, I'm under the blessing of God. It's going to work for me. Well, it doesn't work for anybody. Well, it'll work for me. He sowed in the land. He reaped in one year a hundredfold. Read it in Genesis 26. It's mega. Why? Because of his sight. He changed the way he saw what he was in. Do you know, we're in a great time. So many Christians go around, oh dear, how bad, now the queen. 
everything's going down. It's so awful. The schools, the morality. Well, how are you seeing? How are you seeing? How do you see this time? It's a time where the blessing of God is going to be put into operation if you have the eyes to see it. And you will see this generation come into the blessing of God because of the way you see. Didn't Jesus say to his disciples, lift up your eyes, see the harvest is ripe. When nobody ever going to get saved in my life, I look everywhere and all I can see is nothing happening. And I just think it's, a, it's how you sing. But if you change the way you see, because faith enters in to possess what you're seeing. How many of you want God to give you a fresh vision of faith? I know in family life, many of us, well, maybe we used to, maybe it's just tech now. But we used to have old photo albums. Does anybody remember an old photo album? Are there, do they even exist anymore? But we used to have these old photo albums. And, you know, when we were like, um, when I was 20, I'd look back and say, oh, I just want to see what my brothers and sisters, what we looked like when we were three and four. And you go back to the album and you open it up and you go, oh, I remember Oh, do you remember? Oh, do you remember that moment? And it speaks of the moment you were in then. And and uh, do you know some of us need to get the old promises out again and go, oh wow, revisit the old ones. Get your photo album out of the promises of God. But I want to tell you something, darlings. There are a whole lot of new ones you haven't yet seen. And God wants to put new photos in your heart, the way you see everything about your life and what is possible because Christ lives in you. Everything is possible for him who believes, who's got faith sight. And so like a photograph in the old-fashioned way, it used to take a bit of time to develop. So when you find a promise, I've been meditating on this one. Behold. So I'm looking at the word. And I'm looking with my heart. And praying, yes, Lord, I want to see. I have given you authority. I have given you authority. I have given you. And do you know that photograph, it's already, it's developing something as I'm speaking. I'm looking at it. It's going, oh, I can start to see this. It's already mine. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Oh, I don't know why I'm even being bothered about the enemy. I've got authority over all. Hang on a minute. All the, all the power of the enemy. All the, oh, hang on. It gets even better. I've got this picture going on in me and nothing will harm me. Oh, yes, and nothing shall by any means harm me. Oh, well, the devil's having a go. Behold, behold, not the devil. Behold, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means. Who said that? Jesus Christ. 
our God spoke and it was to all who believe they will see the glory of God believe first and you will see the glory of God isn't this amazing Elisha surrounded by an army coming to get him some of us have felt like that and been in situations of great pressure. You might be in it today where you feel you're surrounded by trouble. But God gave him eyesight to see that there were more with him than against him. And do you remember his little servant couldn't see? He could only see the army because his eyesight hadn't been corrected to the sight of God. And he saw that natural army. He saw all the problems, but God changed his sight because through Elijah. Elijah prayed and said, Lord, open the eyes of this guy. I think sometimes, you know, we just need to look at each other and say, right, is that how you're seeing it? Lord, open their eyes. They need to start seeing differently because seeing is the faculty of the children of God to see as God sees. Vision comes first before victory. Vision comes before victory. So your sight, how do you see what you're seeing? In Joshua 3, we've just read it. They saw the ark, didn't they? And Joshua said, when you see the ark, now the ark was a wooden box. When you see the ark go before you, keep a distance. I was thinking about that. Thinking, they're following a box. You could have looked at that and gone, that's a box made of wood. Why would you follow a box made of wood? But to people of faith, it represented the Lord of all the earth is going before us. When Jesus came in human flesh, Simeon is in the temple. This baby is eight days old. You've all seen an eight-day-old baby. And you go, ah. Simeon didn't go, ah. He went, Lord, my eyes have seen your salvation in this body. That's sight. That is faith. He saw Jesus. Didn't the disciples say, when we saw him, we beheld God's glory. We beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. And if your eyes have been opened to see Jesus, you are the most blessed person on earth. You don't just see a man in history. You see the Son of God who became flesh, dwelt among us, and was crucified and raised from the dead. And that now, now, how do you see? Church. Well, they're just a bunch of wooden boxes. Or could I say, physical bodies. 
natural. But scripture tells us, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That he lives in you. How you see yourself is, I am physically in this natural, frail body. God himself is in me. And so when you see him move, you see him lead you, you're like, God's on the move. Not, oh, it's church. Oh, it's the pastor. Christ is in me. And he's in you this morning. And he is present here for those who have eyes to see beyond what you see. When you see the ark. And I love what Joshua says. Keep a distance. But you know the new covenant is even better than the old because his blood has been shed and God now says you can draw as close as you want to be to me I'm not holding back my blood has been shed I've made you blameless and holy in my sight you come on in my child I've got stuff to give you to say to you you are so welcome to come right into my presence by faith if you don't think you can go in you won't Because according to your faith will be your relationship with God, how you see. He's made you holy through his blood. That means I'm with him right now, not by my work, but by his. How do you see? Oh, isn't it amazing? Joshua said, he said, keep a distance because that was the old covenant, because people even touched the holy presence of God. You remember the story, one of them died because he treated over-familiar. And you know, it's really important in our day where we know that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, we also know he's different to us. The Bible says, set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. So in other words, it's not me and God are the best mates. He, 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 he does everything on my terms. Set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. In other words, I'm no longer, he's different to me. He's the Lord of all the earth and he lives in me. So in other words, I can be as close as I want, but I'm also going to honor him and say, you're the Lord, I'm not. You're the boss, I'm not. Isn't that important? So to prepare well for where we're going, God wants to revolutionize your sight. How you see your famine, you're surrounded by enemies, your authority, how you see the presence of Christ in you. How are you seeing what you see? To view everything through the lens of the spirit and the word of God. Without the word, you can't see straight. Yeah. 
Hello, this is not your imagination. This is the word of God is our guide. And the entrance of the word brings light. We get new photos when we allow the word to come into our hearts. Prepare well. The next thing that Joshua says is that uh, when you see the ark, um, you need to move. I'm not going to say much about this because I just believe I need to come to a finish sooner than I thought. You'll be thrilled to hear. But I just believe what God wants to major on is the way you see this morning. But the next thing that God wants us to prepare to do is to actually follow Jesus. It's a simple word, follow him. He said it at the beginning. He said it all the way through to Peter. And he'll say it right to the end. And to follow him, it actually means to obey. One of those why don't you just say out loud, I love the word obedience. <laughs> if you love Jesus, you will love that word. If your desire in your heart is to follow him, you will love to do whatever he asks you to do. Jesus actually said, if any man would come after me or follow me, he must deny himself take up his cross and follow me. In other words, it isn't all about an inheritance. It's also about a cost. We all pay a price if we're to follow him. Now that's fine when we're doing what we want to do. Anybody loves to follow Jesus when you actually are called to do what you want to do. When God actually gives you exactly what you want and you're doing exactly what you want, but when God speaks and cuts across what you want for what he wants, it's not such a joy in the moment. My plans for my life had absolutely nothing to do with what I'm doing today. Can I tell you, it's a world away from anywhere I ever thought I would be. But I am not here to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He has a work for every single believer to do. He has a will, which is his word and his leading of the spirit. His will is for you to do exactly what he wants you to do, as is written in the word of God. But the challenge is often when we don't want to. And I have faced times when I haven't wanted to do what God said. I've said yes. And sometimes it's taken me a bit longer to say yes. But I've learned the more I walk with him to say yes quicker. Because as soon as I give him my yes, he gives me the grace. You see, previous generations have paid the price of obedience for us to be where we are today. For those of you who've had faithful parents who raised you in church and kept 
God real in the home with prayer and obedience to the Lord, you will know that it cost them. And now it's your turn. But obedience costs. It costs us to follow. But in doing what Jesus says, we actually get the fullness of our inheritance as a reward. And I'm just going to, I wrote this out this morning. I'm just going to read this and give you a scripture before I finish. Because the queen, just as an example again, just to finish, two days before she died, she welcomed the new prime minister into her room to uh, officially uh, welcome her as prime minister. Her function, it was her duty to do that. Now, I've thought about this a lot because when I saw that picture, I saw how frail she was. Standing with a stick. And it really came over me that actually she could have said, I can't do that. I'm too tired. I'm at the end of my life. And I've had enough. But her tiredness didn't stop her from doing what she knew was the right thing to do. Her frailty didn't stop her from doing her duty. To the last, I want to be like her. I want to obey Jesus, not just in a certain season, but right to my last living day. That's my vision. I hope it's yours. A life of service, to live to serve God. And when you serve God, you're a servant of people. You serve people. That's it. When you serve God, the outworking of that will always be people. In fact, the good works you prepared beforehand for you to do are people. Not making loads of dosh. Actually, God's got people. If you're called to make, <laughs> to be a wealth creator, in it, God has in his heart, his priority is people. If you're retired, God has his priority in your life to serve him. If you're young with families, his priority is for people. And I was thinking how previous to our generation, the pastor Collins, Colin Urquhart, how he has pioneered in our nation for a move of God. He paid a huge price to serve God in his generation and was faithful to the last. It doesn't just happen a move of God. It costs. Not just faith. It costs a denial of self to serve others and to serve God in his will. And I was thinking about this building. 
The chair you're sitting on, somebody paid for. It might even have been you in your faithful giving. This building, there are some here who gave so that we could be here today, our children on the floor, the middle floor, and teas and coffees on the ground reaching the community. Somebody paid a price for the now. But for us to go further, we have to pay, all of us, some kind of, I won't do my own thing, live my own way, I'm going to follow Jesus in whatever way he leads me. So that the future generations can actually fill this house with the glory of God. Today, somebody opened up the building. Cleaned it even before you came in. Today, we had a welcome team here early just so you could have a welcome and feel loved and blessed as you walked in. Today, our children's workers have spent time before today to come in and teach our kids the ways of God. They've already paid a price to be here. Today, the sound team, the projection, 